Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special New Year's message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Number one, he has the ministry of intercession. Intercession? Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 tells us that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us and that he is able to save us, anybody know the rest, to the uttermost. Are you glad about that? That he is able, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there, that he is able to save us to the uttermost. It was Billy Sunday who said that God can save us from the guttermost to the uttermost. From the guttermost to the uttermost. He now, Jesus, has the ministry of intercession. Then secondly, as high priest, Jesus has the ministry of intervention. Intervention. What do you mean, Rodney? In other words, our great high priest is in heaven, constantly applying his blood to our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And then lastly, Jesus has the ministry of inspection. What's that mean? Well, if you fast forward to chapter two, verse one, it tells us that Jesus is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks and that he's walking around in between them. So he has the ministry of intercession, intervention, and inspection as our great high priest. Notice the Bible also tells us in verse 13, or actually in verse 14, that his head and his hair were white like wool. You see that? Listen, when I first became a Christian, I told him last night in the first service, I'll tell you, when I first became a Christian, Um, I, you know, I told you guys, I was a Jesus freak. I was crazy about Jesus. I love the word of God. I preached all the time. I, I, I began to just read the Bible all the time, devour the word. And I wanted to read the book of revelation because I don't know why I just knew that everybody didn't want to read the book of revelation. So I started reading the book of revelation probably like day three after becoming a Christian. So I'm reading this chapter and it said that Jesus hair was white like wool and I thought man Jesus is a brother I mean not like a brother Christian brother like a brother like a soul brother he's got an afro Jesus has a white afro it's right here in the Bible look at it I was telling people look 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 Jesus got an afro I was convinced and then later I come to find out, no, he doesn't have an afro. This actually is a reference to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. White hair, listen, speaks of timeless wisdom and eternity and purity. White hair speaks of timeless wisdom 
age. Can I tell you something? Age in the Bible is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Doesn't that fly in the face of our culture? Nowadays in our culture, everything is about being young. They got more products in the store. I was walking in Walgreens or something, and, you know, they got more products in the store looking young. And put this cream on your face, and in two minutes, you'll look 10 years younger. I'm like, what? Yeah, right. Everything is about looking young and all kinds of surgeries with every description. We'll leave it at that. Trying to look young. Listen, don't get me wrong. Looking nice is fine. Looking nice is great. Being healthy and taking care of yourself is a wonderful thing. But the Bible also says that age and, 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 and the wisdom of years and the gray hair is also a wonderful thing. And we, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. And we shouldn't be quick to, you know, put age people aside. You know, I remember one, one time, I remember specifically praying and asking the Lord to send people of age to our church. Specifically said, Lord, may we have older, wiser people. You know, there's stuff that you learn with age that you just can't learn when you're young. The facts are, young folks, y'all don't know nothing. Where the parents at? Say amen. I know. I was young one time. We were all young one time. We thought we knew everything. You don't know nothing. You got to live some years to learn something. Listen to your parents. Parents, y'all need to write me a check. Listen to your parents, because those years, I mean, listen, the, 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 the agedness and the wisdom that comes along with it. I, I think of Proverbs chapter uh, 16, and, and, it's, and it talks about a white head is a crown of glory. A white head, we need elderly people in our church, in our community, in, in, in our lives. We, we need elderly people. I think of Leviticus chapter 19, 32. It says, you should honor and stand up for the gray hair people in the presence of an old man and the fear of God, says the Lord. We need to honor older people. I teach my children, you honor older people. I teach my kids, when I get older, don't you put me in no nursing home. <laughs> See what happened. Put me in nursing home. I already told them. I forewarned them. Put me in nursing home. I beat you over the head of my walker. I, yes, I will. <laughs> Where my parents said, say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Don't you die. Uh, I took care of you all them years. You're going to take care of me. And you better make some money. Because I'm going to need to spend it. <laughs> But I think that's right, and I think that honors God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think it was right, and I think it honors God. You know, I think of a lady that comes to our church. I love this lady. She's like 84 years old, 86 years old, and she's a little, little lady, little white lady with white hair, and she, she comes to Calvary Chapel. She loves this church. I don't even know if she's here now, but she, she loves this church, and her kids, she lives way out in Wake Forest or Zebulon or somewhere out there, and she has her kids come and get her, and they live in Cary or something. They have to go all the way there every Sunday. They got to go all the way there, pick her up, bring her to church. 
She loves this church. Can you think about I, that? Blows me away. This woman is like two generations from me. We have nothing in common, literally nothing in common, and yet she loves to come to this church. That tells me something. Relationships are based on Jesus Christ and Him alone. Isn't that true? Relationships are formed at the cross. You get a lot in common with people that know Jesus. That lady knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. And I love her because she loves Jesus. And she loves me. And she loves this church. And she loves worship. And she told me, I said, well, I hope it's not too loud for you. She said, huh? I said, okay, we're good. <laughs> but she's just a sweet lady. I mean, she's a sweet lady. <laughs> and I love that about her. She's just a sweet lady. She loves the Lord. And we need to respect older people and the wisdom that they bring. The white hair speaks of wisdom. Let's get done with this. Look at John. He sees eyes as a flame of fire. Look at verse 14. You looking at it? Eyes of flame of fire. Now listen, don't go get all sci-fi on me here. All right, Jesus' eyes, flame of fire. Some of y'all thinking, oh, yeah, that's great. Like in Indiana Jones, when they opened up the sarcophagus and the eyes came out, the lights came out and, and all that. Remember that? And then y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all like, and they consumed the people. The lights came from the eyes and it consumed the people. I love that movie. That is my best, the best part. Eyes, flame of fire. Listen, the eyes... A flame of fire here in the scriptures speak of the fact that nothing is hidden from Jesus. Flaming fire speaks of incredible sharpness and clarity. There's nothing that happens in the universe that he doesn't see. Can you say amen? He sees all, which enables him to judge rightly. Fire speaks of searching and penetrating judgment. His feet are like fine brass which speak of the fact that he's coming in judgment. Daniel chapter 10, verse 6, bronze and fire represent divine judgment. Think about it. The feet that once walked the streets of Jerusalem, the feet that walked on water and walked up Calvary's hill, the feet that were nailed to the tree are the same feet that will come again and be trampled down the enemies who persecuted God and persecuted his people throughout the ages. And his voice is the sound of many waters. God's voice is loud. God's voice is strong. God's voice is powerful. And it's not a voice that you would talk back to. It's a powerful voice. He speaks with authority and his voice get this is so loud so strong and so powerful and he speaks with such authority and yet it's small enough to speak to your heart and small enough to speak to a child this big power loud booming voice can speak to the heart and he had in his right hand seven stars. Verse 16. The right hand is a symbol of strength. A symbol of power. A symbol of honor. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. The word, the sword speaks of the word of God. You know that. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active and sharper than what? Any two-edged sword. Now in Hebrews 4, listen. 
There's two types of swords quickly spoken of in the Bible. In Hebrews 4, that sword is a tactical sword. It's a small sword. It's a, a sword that can be handled. It's small and it's light and, and, and you can use it and be precise. That kind of sword. But the sword that's coming out of Jesus mouth is a different sword. This sword refers to a long and heavy and broad sword. This is a kind of sword that can do some serious damage. And his countenance was like the sun shining in strength. In other words, his glory is so great and shining, it's hard to look upon him. And then in verse 17 through 19, when John got a glimpse of the glorified Christ, he didn't walk up and shake his hand and he didn't pat him on the back and try to speak. He fell on his face as dead. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Listen, why would Jesus tell John he didn't need to be afraid? I think as simple as this. One, yeah, because he was afraid. Yes, you're smart attorneys, I tell you. Because he was afraid, and also he didn't need to be afraid because he was a believer. And believers don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. Let me tell you something. Listen, as we come in for a landing, I'm going to tell you something that you'll probably, it's probably the most important thing that you'll hear in 2012. Listen, if you are here and you are not born again and you think that you're ready to meet this Jesus, you are sadly mistaken. If you're not born again, You are not ready to meet this Jesus, not this Jesus. Every single person in this room, listen, has a date with deity. Every person has a date with deity. In other words, you're going to die someday. You think back on 2011 and, you know, all the news channels, they do like the little montage of all the people that passed away this year and important people that passed away this year. That just tells you something. Everybody going to die. Why don't you prepare for death? When actually death is the only sure thing. There's no certainty that you're going to have a good job. There's no certainty that you're going to have money. There's no certainty that you're going to wake up tomorrow. The only sure thing certain is that you are someday going to die. Everyone has a date with deity and someday we'll all see this glorified Christ face to face. And my question to you is, will you have a reason to fear? Most people now are making New Year's resolutions. Saints, listen, why not now begin and say, you know what? I'm going to resolve to walk with God in 2012. How about that? You know, people spend so much time on the outward man. Well, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get buff. I'm going to have more protein. I'm going to, you know, whatever. How about this? I'm going to walk closer with God in 2012. 
How about I am going to resolve to trust the Lord more in 2012? I'm going to resolve to know God in 2012. I'm going to resolve to watch this know God better in 2012. Why not resolve to say, you know what, I'm going to begin to get involved in church and, and I'm going to be start serving in church. I've been coming. You've been coming to this church how long? Two years, three years, four years, five years. And you're not serving. You're just coming to church and getting the word and then you take off and leave. When you when you're going to start investing in the things of God, investing in the kingdom of God, I'll tell you something. That's where you find your blessing. When you start serving other people like Jesus like Jesus who came to give. I'm going to resolve in 2012, I'm going to get involved in ministry. I'm going to resolve that I'm going to pay attention to my spiritual life and I'm going to come to church. And I'm going to come to church on Sunday and I'm going to come to church on Wednesday and I'm going to grow in the Lord. And I'm not going to make God a priority in my life because God doesn't want priority. Listen, God, listen, God does not want priority in your life. He wants preeminence in your life. Priority means you make him first. Preeminence means he becomes your life. He is my life. For me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. He is my life. And without him in my life, I have no life. That's preeminence. God wants preeminence in your life. Not priority. I'm going to resolve to get involved in a men's Bible study and finish it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to just start, go for three or four weeks and uh, I can't get there. I'm going to resolve to get involved in women's Bible study and finish it. I'm going to resolve to walk in the spirit and be transformed. The Bible says to present your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but what saints be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way for you to get your mind renewed is for this word to get in and all that junk to get out. We need our minds renewed. Go ahead and clap your hands. We need our minds renewed. We need to walk with God. We need to make a commitment and, and, and decide that we're going to stop putting God back there and, and, and making him an add-on to your life. He doesn't want to be an add-on to your life. When are you going to get serious about God? I mean, really. I said this in last service. I'm glad the Lord has brought it back to me to tell you. I said to them, and I'll ask you the same. If you are just coming to church every single week, listen, you'll never, ever, ever, ever hear a pastor say this from a pulpit anywhere. If you are just coming to church and you do not plan on Giving your life to Jesus, you do not plan on becoming a Christian, then I'm going to ask you, listen, stop coming to church. Stop. Don't come to church. 
Because what's happening is if you come to church and you are not born again, don't you understand that the more you know, the more accountable you are becoming before God? So when you die someday, when you make that date with deity and you die and you stand before God, God's going to say to you, you had all of this knowledge. You went to church all of your life. You've heard good teaching from Pastor Rodney, who was a great preacher all of your life. <laughs> Why have you not acted on that which you know? Coming to church, I've told you before, is dangerous. Coming to church is dangerous. You should stop coming. If you are not going to make a commitment that you're going to follow God and get serious about the things of God, stop it. Because you're heaping damnation upon yourself. And that's bad. God wants you to get serious about him. God wants you to come to church and learn the word of God. The church, listen, the church is the place where people come to be edified for, in the things of God and to learn the word of God. Nowhere in scripture, nowhere in the history of Christendom will you see church becoming a place for non-believers to come. The church is the place for believers to come to get edified in the things of God. I'll wait while you clap. The church is the place for believers to come to get edified in the things of God so that you can learn stuff here and then go out there and tell people and be equipped, strengthened, emboldened to be able to share the word of God effectively and soundly so that people will get saved out there and come to church here. And my job as a pastor is to equip you so that you're able to go out there with the word of God. And that's why it is a mistake. It's a horrible mistake to try to shape in your services so that they become uh, seeker sensitive or that they become a place where non-believers will come and not be offended. The church was never created for the non-believer. The church was created for the believer. And it's a mistake. It is a mistake. To try to create an environment where non-believers come so they won't be offended. The word of God is supposed to offend you. And if you're not offended, then you cannot be saved. Huh? Anybody in this half of the room hear me? Because all you heard amens from over there. Anybody over here hear me? You can't be saved if you're not offended. That's another sermon. God, we're going to be here for a minute. Y'all bring your lunch? What? You, you gotta, you gotta be offended. It's a stumbling stone. The word of God, and you're supposed to read the word of God and hear about Jesus. And oh, oh, I tripped. He's a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. My life, oh, oh man, my life is out of, ooh, my life is out of sync. I need, I need Jesus to straighten my life out. To set my feet on a firm foundation. This is the function and the role of the church. This is my job as a pastor. Is to teach you the word of God to strengthen you so you can go and be used and go into the highways and the byways and compel men. Come 
to church. And when they get here, I should be teaching the Bible, teaching the Bible. And yes, there's evangelism in there. Are y'all getting me? Yes, there's evangelism in there. Yes, there's times where, hey, you don't get saved, sure. But that's not the point, the focus of a church. Never, 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 no, not ever. Remember I told you earlier in the service that Titus, uh, 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 Flavius Domitian would kill you if you were discovered to be a Christian. So Christians were hiding in catacombs and tombs and meeting. Non-believers didn't go to church in the first century. They did not. Only believers. So why not say, God, when I come to church and I'm going to come, and I'm going to get built up and I'm going to get strong and I'm going to get serious about you. I'm going to get serious about the things of God and watch God change your life. Watch him do it. His word, he will perform it. Watch him do it. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Pastor Rodney feel like preaching. I'm going to let y'all go home. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. God is faithful. Somebody clap your hands. because like, I, I know that's right. And that I know that's right. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.